0: Hi and welcome to the Crime Pod. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Sam. So this week we are going over to Fife, we're going to Dunfermline and I am going to be telling you the case of Carol Taggart. Samantha, have you heard of Carol Taggart at all? Of course, I have not heard of cattle Taggart of course. before. <laughs> yeah. I was the same, actually. And then I started reading it and I was like, surely I've heard of this, but I really can't remember. So people maybe have. If not, you can join us with a nice new one. So our story is set in the 90s, but we're going way back to the... Kind of before that, first, and our story is set in Dunfermline, as I said, in Fife. So, Dunfermline is a city in Scotland, it only became a city last year, so it was May 2022 that it became a city. It was the newest, oh, city. Of the queen. yeah, Just it was a new city, or something, is the Platinum Jubilee, is the Platinum jubes? yes, it beca- yeah, <laughs> it became my um city. I think that was so. Scotland now has eight cities nine cities? Um, Yes. Nine, eight,
1: eight, <laughs> no, eight no, I no. think it
0: is. I want to say eight more than nine. Sorry, okay, so it's, it's eight cities, but anyway, it is, yeah, it's basically about three miles away from the northern shore, of the fourth of fourth, and it currently has a population of 58,000 roughly, so you can kind of gauge what size Dunfermline is. So, The person we're talking about is Carol Taggart. So Carol was a bubbly character. She was a young, when she was young, she loved singing and dancing and socialising. And she continued to grow up like this and continue this through her teenage years. She always had a lot of friends. She was a very kind of bubbly, out there person who was quoted to have like lit up the party, things like that. So she seemed like a really, really nice person. In her early 20s, she met a man, I can't find his name, and they got married, to which they had two sons together. Her elder son, who I can't find his name, and it's never really came out, and her youngest son was called Ross. Now, she was a brilliant mum. like She just seemed like one of those people that was like born to be a mum and put her kids first. She was proper, like kind of nice, happy family vibes. However, her and her husband at the time weren't feeling that, and they divorced I can't find what they divorced over or I don't think it was a messy one by this kind of sounds of it. They just divorced. Um, Carol was now obviously a single mum, which is quite tough. But she got a job and managed to provide for um, her children by being a childminder. So she absolutely loved kids. And I don't know, she does have her own business, but I don't know if this is like now. So I don't know if she's working for an agency or she had her own business. But I'll tell you more about her business later on. Now, in December 1986, she met a man named Sean Taggart. So prior to this, Carol's had obviously a different surname, but I couldn't find her maiden name anywhere. So she goes by Carol Taggart. So she meets Sean in December 1986 and he was great. And what really stuck out to Carol is he treated her boys like his own. So it wasn't like very much Carol and the kids separate. He treated them like a three. So they got married and both Carol and her sons took Sean's surname. So they now become the Taggart family. Um, they all move in together in Dunfermline, and they actually buy a caravan together 10 minutes away from their house as their oh. holiday home.
1: Like, I feel like they should have went to maybe Seaton Sands or something. 10 minutes away. Or yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's very close to the family home, which is quite interesting because they also have a very nice family home it's not like you need a way as such but yeah the others caravan and they go on to have a baby together sean and carol who is lorraine their daughter now issues begin arising around this time around carol's mental health and she has postnatal depression after lorraine which is a very common struggle um so she suffered from that as the kids began growing up, she actually, here we go, sorry, she quit her job and became a childminder in her own business. So this is when she starts her own business. So she actually extended the house and created like a childminded nursery room in the house. So she worked from home and would very much be like a childminder in the house. Man, I think we had someone that lived in Marsh Street that did that, I feel. But yeah this yes, is
1: what she done 100% because she always had loads of different kids going in her house and I was like what is this but then I was like blew up and I was like oh okay yeah
0: and she's that a why. <laughs> um, yeah what I'll do is there's um photos again I don't want to give away too many spoilers but the house is mentioned later so there's actually a photo of like the child nursery room and it does look like a classroom so we can post a photo of that to the Instagram so you can see what I mean now Around this time that she starts working from home and having her own business, Carol's ex-husband, the father of the two boys, passes away. So this is a really difficult time for them all. I can't find out why. I can't find out it's cause of death. But this really impacted the boys. Um, and they kind of showed some behaviours. Ross was definitely a trickier child. He was quite cheeky. It was a wind up, loud. The main cause of kind of Carol's attention, he always had to draw the attention from his mum. Now, both the boys caused trouble in school, which made things difficult at home as well. If both your sons are then messing up in school, that's going to be really difficult at home, especially if this behaviour continues. Now they got away with a lot of stuff. However, as Carol was just trying to help them by letting them away with things, so I think she felt this guilt that their dad had died, or she felt this sort of some like obviously sympathy for it, and I completely get that. But I think she then let them away with anything in the scared to like punish them because they were grieving. Now the older son starts to kind of come back to normal and get on with things, whereas Ross continues these behaviours, and. This kind of escalates to stealing money, acting how you wanted, just being like a complete nightmare of a child, if I'm honest with you. um, Lorraine and Sean, so Sean is the stepdad, but Lorraine's dad, they really struggle with this. Like Carol would say not to say anything, but Sean would eventually start giving Ross like a row almost. So there was a time, for example, that Ross stole from Sean's wallet. So Sean wanted to pull him up about it. And Carol was like, no, no, don't say anything. But he pulled up Ross about it and gave him a route because he caught him stealing from his wallet. But Carol actually sided with Ross and told Sean not to bring up his behaviour and actually apologised to Ross on Sean's behalf. So you can oh, tell that... no. Yeah, so from a very early age, Carol is like very much protecting Ross and kind of siding with him even when he's doing things that are clearly wrong. Now, Carol... And Lorraine spend quite a bit of time together because Lorraine does dancing, so she goes away to these like dance competitions. And by this point, the boys are in their late teens, so Carol and Rain go. However, Ross didn't like this, and he didn't like the fact his mum was away a lot, and he said that she was, quote, abandoning him um, so that he was just being left. So whenever they went to dance competitions, Lorraine and Carol, she would buy Ross a gift. Um, and this still carried on because of the fact that he'd lost his dad, and she felt like he was still grieving. Now, Ross didn't work, so Sean supported him to get a job and he actually got a job in a shop in Edinburgh. I think this was up near the castle, I think, in one of the kind of touristy shops, I believe. Um, He loved the job, but it didn't last long as he stole from his work and got caught so he got sacked but Ross told his parents that he was sacked but it wasn't him a co-worker had been stealing and he took the blame so of course Carol believes him Sean's like hold on a minute if that wasn't you and you took the blame like you've lost your job like as much as I love a lot of my colleagues I wouldn't lose my job taking the blame for something they've done whereas Carol completely believes him he is the golden child of course he wouldn't steal from his job of course he's taking the blame for somebody else Now, Ross begins getting fired from multiple jobs, which is ridiculous, but he's fine with this because Carol gives him money. So if your mum's giving you money and funding your lifestyle, what is the point in looking? So by this point the whole family are really starting to struggle with Ross the elder son actually left and unfortunately he cut full contact with the family because of Ross he was like I cannot do this like he's just taking up way too much time he's controlling I'm away." so they actually lost contact with the older brother which I think is why I can't find out anything about him I think he's maintained to keep to himself. Um, Sean eventually leaves and him and Carol split because of Ross. And when I say split, I don't mean that Sean goes and lives somewhere else. They full on divorce. So Sean applies for divorce and they divorce because of Ross and because his behaviours in the house and because of how Carol always defends and backs him. It's way too much for Sean as well now Lorraine stays at home but she spends a lot of time at Sean's because remember that is her biological dad and she stays with her friends now one night I think both Lorraine and Sean eh, Lorraine and Ross sorry had been on separate nights out and Carol can hear a commotion upstairs she goes into Lorraine's room to find Lorraine wrapped in her duvet as Ross is repeatedly punching and screaming at her so he is like full on attacking her and Carol just stands and kind of allows it and just like watches this whole thing unfold so Lorraine is then fully done here so she leaves and moves in with her boyfriend Stephen and that is her out the house as well so you've had this house of five people now down to two so they still see each other Lorraine and Carol but Ross hated this like she's not like the older sibling she's not completely cut herself off she still sees her mum however Ross hates this Ross doesn't feel the need to be a relationship um, and he hated it so much that they began actually meeting in secret So Ross wouldn't get upset because whenever he found out his mum was going to see his sister, he would get upset and jealous about that. So they had to actually hide it. How old is Ross at this stage? Is he like late teens? No, Ross by this point, I would say is approaching 25. Oh, Okay, thank you. (laughs) Yes, so... Carol now becomes very isolated like spent no time with friends and becomes really really quiet she still works of course but she is working at home now by this point her business is obviously doing really well because she has some staff but that was like her only adult contact almost apart from Ross. Um, Carol's depression then increases more so she's put on more antidepressants however ross controls all her medication so he picks up he gives it to her as and when he thinks is required ross just controls everything it's insane and all she thinks she has is ross so she's thinking her life's really really rubbish her older son's cut off her daughter's moved out her husband's divorced her and the only person that's stuck by her through this really difficult time is ross so she sees him as like the best thing ever um so as I said, it's just Ross and Carol. He's now in his mid-twenties. She gives him money, but also she gives him her bank card and basically lets him live rent-free. Now, when I said he gives, she gives him sorry, her bank card, she then also doesn't check her bank. So she doesn't see that Ross is actually taking the bank card, getting the shopping that she's asking him to get. He is then also taking out money and stealing money from Carol. But because she doesn't check her bank card, she's none the wiser that this is what he was doing. Now, all I'm going to say is this, Comes across already as very abusive. Like, if this was a partner, we would be talking about this completely differently. However, because it is her son, it was just seen as a kind of he's a mummy's boy and she he's the golden child to her. That's how it was seen. Whereas this is like completely not normal. Now, Ross is 25 and he gets a job for Amazon. Well, he tells his mummy he gets a job from Amazon, he does not. So he tells his mum he's getting a job at Amazon and he works at Amazon Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. Um, And basically what he does is he leaves the house in the morning, pretends he's going to work, and then just goes and sits in the caravan pretending to be at Amazon. Now, Lorraine starts distancing herself slowly from her mum as well because whenever she tries to explain to her mum what Ross is doing or what he's like, she gets really, really defensive. So Lorraine basically cuts her off, which is sad because... They've kind of kept in touch with all this, but I think it's way too far for her as well. She's just like, I can't keep up with this anymore. Now, Carol blames Lorraine for abandoning her and she's very angry at Lorraine and kind of bitches about this to Ross. So she's now feeling that anger towards the other two siblings, not Ross, even though both siblings have left the house and cut off contact with Carol because of Ross, she is feeling the anger with the other siblings. Now, in 2013, we're going to jump forward a couple of years Basically, everything is still the same. However, Ross has turned 30 this year. So Carol pays for both of them to go to New York City. So they go to New York and he actually uploads loads of holiday pictures to his Facebook so that other family members and everything can see. I think he's very much just rubbing it in their face. But there's pictures of Carol and she looks quite frail and she looks like she's lost weight. Lorraine reaches out because she's quite concerned about her, but she doesn't hear anything back from her. Now, in 2014, Carol has a bit of a weird realisation and she just has this feeling of maybe actually everybody's right and maybe Ross isn't treating me right, which about time and she checks her bank and realizes what ross has been taken from her she also checks in about his job she follows him to work one morning and sees that he's going to the caravan so he's not working so she kind of does all this before confronting him but she does decide to confront him and as you can imagine he went mental he was shouting at her and swearing her etc and she told him she thinks it's time for him to move out that they need to have some distance and she realizes what everyone's kind of warning her about and this is why everyone has left her apart from Ross it's actually not a good thing the reason everyone's left is because you are so difficult so she thinks it's time for him to move out as well now Ross fights this and didn't move out and this continues on to the December in 2014 when she asks him to go again Now, on the 22nd of December 2014, Carol doesn't turn up for work. Now, remember, her work is in her house. So if she's not turned up at work and she's not at home, where is she? So she also doesn't turn up again on the 23rd. So staff are quite concerned. So staff have to tell Ross and urge Ross to call the police because his mum is missing. She's not turned up for work for two days. So he calls 101. Which, for anyone that's not listening in the UK, 101 is, like, not an emergency number. So, emergency number is 999. 101 is, like, if you want to report something, I think is the best way to kind of put it. If you just want to report, like, a small crime or if you've witnessed something, would you say, Samantha? Like, I think 101 is, like...
1: Yeah, I would say that. It's, like, the ones where you don't need a car right away or you don't need the police right away, they might need to come, but, like, I can wait.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. So he gives all his mum's details to the call operator and he admits that they had an argument a couple of days before and that she had felt depressive and suicidal. So she becomes a high-risk missing person. So to explain that, I'm just going to go over, like, we've got three different risks. Um, Like, investigations are all considered missing, but there's three different risks. So you've got low risk, which is the apparent threat of danger to either the missing person or the public is low so, like somebody that's maybe just like not known their whereabouts for like, you know, I'm trying to think, someone that's pretty average person. Medium is the risk is posed as likely. To place the missing person in danger or they are a threat to themselves or others, or a high risk, which Carol was, is the risk possessed is immediate and there are substantial grounds for believing that the missing person is in danger through their own vulnerability or may have been the victim of a serious crime, or the risk posed as immediate, and there is substantial grounds for believing that the public is in danger. So she was automatically a high risk missing person. The case starts quickly and police begin looking for her very early on. Now, the police think she might actually be doing this to get away from Ross. When they hear everything that's been going on, they're like, wait a wee minute. Maybe she's been doing this to get away from Ross and to kind of end whatever this is, which would make sense. Like, actually, if she's decided to run away and kind of get out of this abusive family situation, it would make sense. Now, the police search the house and they find nothing. They also search the caravan and find no trace of her there. Now, Lorraine is informed by Ross. Ross phones Lorraine and goes like, yeah, mum's missing, basically. And she has this gut feeling immediately that he is lying. Family also don't believe she would run away if she was trying to get away from Ross. Lorraine says that. Lorraine lives with her husband, who was the boyfriend she moved out with back then. She still has contact with Sean, the dad, so, like, there's definitely people Carol could have gone to if she had to escape Ross. Now, Ross is taking this whole missing person thing very calm. He's seen out with friends, he's seen in the local pub, because, bear in mind, this is the run-up to Christmas. Um, He's seen in the pub, and actually, because the neighbourhood all know what's going on, people are buying him free drinks and really kind of supporting Ross, who's very chill about it all. Remember, he didn't phone 99, he phoned 101. He's very, very calm about the fact his mum's missing, which is a huge concern. On Christmas Day 2014, the police informed Lorraine they have found Carol's car. Now, Carol's car was found abandoned on the other side of town. The car seat was all the way back. So, like, if a tall person has been driving the car, the seat's been pushed back, whereas she was quite small and her handbag was found in the boot. Now, Lorraine immediately says hold on a minute like her bag was never kept in the boot whenever Carol got in the car for decades she would get in and put her handbag behind the passenger seat which I actually that's when I first read that her handbag was found in the boot that raised red flags for me as well I don't know why you'd keep your handbag in the boot
1: I was gonna say the same thing as you like you'd put it next to you or behind you why would you open the boot Yeah, that's like a a person that doesn't have a handbag that's something they would do to yeah you know
0: I never put like anything in the boot I mean my boot is full I don't know what off but like I never put anything like that in the boot but I feel like from a safety standard as well even though you lock your doors if you're like stuck at traffic someone can easily just come and open your boot and by the time you then get out the car, I think I was always taught that like don't put stuff in the boot so she's the same she doesn't put or handbag that will have all your stuff. And bear in mind, this isn't ages ago. This is 2014. She'll have a mobile phone and stuff. <laughs> so it will yeah. probably be in her bag. So why would you then put that in the boot? But the police then recover a sat-nav in the car. Um, and this was used on the day she went missing to go to a random address. So they go to this address and a woman answers. And she doesn't know anything about Carol Taggart. However, she knows Ross Taggart now Ross had met her on a dating site and they'd gone on a date and Ross had actually stayed at her house on the evening of the 22nd of December so the day that Carol went missing so it was proven that Ross was the last person to drive the car which means right okay that's why the seat was extended back fair enough but a why is your mum's bag in the boot but b why did you then abandon it why would you not just drop the car home so that's all a bit strange on the 28th of December, Ross posts to Facebook thanking everyone for their help and encouraging them to keep searching for his mum. On the 30th of December, she's been missing for just over a week. The police receive a call from a pawn shop in town. Now, Ross has been trying to sell Carol's jewellery. So firstly, what the fuck? She's not dead. She's not died. Yeah. Like, I know that sounds really awful. Like, the jewellery means nothing to you. And she'd passed away of natural causes, Whatever, you can maybe sell it in a few months' time. But... He's not just trying to sell jewellery from her jewellery stand. No, 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 no. He's trying to sell a ring and a watch that Carol wore every single day. Carol was seen with them on all the time and he's tried to sell those two items to a pawn shop so he may as well so, wear a sign yeah.
1: saying i've done something wrong come yes. and
0: ask me like yeah literally literally so lorraine is made aware and she is convinced it's ross because she's gone on about the jewelry she's like nah there's something really not right so at some time around here it goes from a missing person inquiry to a murder inquiry now they research the house and there's nothing and they research the caravan, but they notice this time it's been deep cleaned and bleached. It's absolutely stinking of bleach when they walk in. So this is when they get the luminol out. Now I got a bit confused at luminol, because luminol is obviously a chemical um that lights up blue when it is mixed with an appropriate oxidizing agent. So at first I wasn't sure if they're looking for bleach as it's not specific to blood. However, it does show up things like bleach etc but i then looked into it and I check of luminol does detect on blood and it says it is capable of detecting blood that's been diluted up to ten thousand times um have you so, not seen csi caitlin no so i got really confused because <laughs> I, I was like like if i like so like that's what i was trying to get confused at like if i then spilt blood over the floor and wiped it up with just water it wouldn't show up with luminol would it
1: Uh yes. have you not seen CN? <laughs> okay, I take that statement back. Sorry. <laughs> See,
0: that's when I was then getting confused. If anyone knows anything about luminol, I thought it was like a water-based solution that detects blood if it's been diluted with something. I yeah, don't let us know. Let us know. Someone please get in touch and let me know if luminol has to be mixed. Like, does blood have to be mixed with a chemical to be shown in luminol? Anyway. They put the luminol down, no matter what was in it, the whole caravan basically lights up blue. Luminol is detected, light detects everything everywhere. So the caravan is now a crime scene and the whole park is closed off and searched. Now, this caravan is a static one, so it doesn't have wheels. It has to be towed on something. So it's on like a wooden structure. Now, underneath each wooden structure, there's like a door so you can access under the wooden structure. So they go under the wooden part, but there's nothing there. So they decide to check the neighbouring caravans. And they go onto the wooden structure of one of the neighbouring caravans. And that is where, unfortunately, they find Carol's decomposing body. Her face is severely damaged to the stage where when her family came to ID her, they actually decided to cover her face. And she was ID'd formally by a tattoo on her wrist. She had died in the early hours of December the 22nd. And she had been beaten and then actually strangled by hand. So it wasn't strangled by anything. She was strangled by somebody's hands. Two days later, Ross is arrested and he's refused bail. So he's kept in custody for a year. And then I feel like we're going to do a huge jump, but we're going to go straight to the trial, which was in November 2015, um, to which Ross is pleading not guilty. Now, Ross hasn't said pretty much anything the whole time he's been in custody which is why we've kind of skipped so far ahead because we generally haven't missed anything he's not speaking he takes a stand and is very cocky doesn't answer questions well to the stage where both prosecution and the defense ask him to answer better and he's like but they're my answers so he's just being an arsehole um he doesn't give over any details about how or why Then comes about that Carol... So when Lorraine had kind of cut contact with Carol, she was obviously very angry at Lorraine and her other kids. So um, Carol had actually went and changed her will. So she removed Lorraine and the older son and left everything to Ross because he stayed and supported her, unlike the other children. So this kind of feeling comes out as did potentially he want the will or did it come up when they were arguing that she was going to remove him from the will they don't really know. So the police kind of come up with a rough version of events. So I'll tell you what the police's rough version of events are. But remember, like, unfortunately nobody knows because Ross has never spoken so we actually don't know how this played out but the police believe that on December 21st Carol and Ross have another argument about him moving out She still want him to move out and he's still refusing and we think he's got so angry she's either said that she's going to take him out the well or she said something to him that he's not been happy about but he's got so angry that he begins hitting her and he hits her and hits her and hits her so much that she passes out he thinks she's dead, so he goes up the stairs and Ross wraps her in bed sheets, loads her into the boot of the car and takes her to the caravan. When they get to the caravan, she comes to, he freaks out, she tries to like run away, so he then has to kill her. So he gets her onto the bed and strangles her. He then hides her under the bed, messages the woman on the dating app and messages her, goes there for whatever they took up to, but an alibi, basically. Um, the next day, he dumps the car, goes home, pretends everything's fine, reports his mum is missing. They search the house. They're like, oh, is there anywhere else to search? The caravan. Okay, we'll need to search the caravan. He then goes out that night, hides her on Christmas Eve under the other person's caravan. Around about this time on Christmas Day, remember, they then find the car. And then by the time they search the caravan, he's hid her so it's fine. And then between that gap of them searching the caravan again, he deep cleans the caravan. That was a lot of information. But again, that might not be true, but that is what the police think has happened. So Ross is found guilty and is sentenced to life with a minimum of 18 years. And unfortunately, that's not the kind of trauma over for the family, because Ross is still to this day, the beneficiary of Carol's will. So the family are contesting this, but they need thousands like 20 odd thousands of lawyers fees which they can't basically get um and although ross cannot profit from carol's death due to this murder conviction he basically refuses to resign as um, executor i think it is of the will so basically thank you i thought i do it with my job i was
1: it's
0: executor of the will. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. I've written it. I've written it, and it looks like execure. And I was like, execure. That's a bit of a weird word. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's basically refuses to sign that over. So the family have basically nothing they could do to get this money back, which is absolutely horrific. What that I was going to say. Awful. Like yeah. in
1: law. So, sorry to interrupt you, but like no. Clearly, if you have murdered someone that you are the beneficiary of their will or if you are even executor Mm -hmm. you should be wiped
0: completely
1: there should the will should just be non-existent and you can deal with it with other paperwork but like holy moly that's awful sorry yeah yeah
0: yeah but it is it's absolutely horrific because i think he was the only person that's in this will like, you yeah. know, like, it's not like the will has got other people. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just, it's disgraceful.
0: <laughs> that is fair. No, it's fair. So in a few years' time, so I think it's about five years' time, because he'll be eligible for parole. It was 12 years and he was sentenced in 2015. So that'll be 2027 that he's eligible for parole. Um. Now, Lorraine, the sister, she's now married with two boys and she is basically scared for her life. She said like she is basically scared for her life and she thinks that he's going to come and look for her when she gets out. Um, Which I'd like to think he doesn't. I'd like to really think that he gets on and he gets moved somewhere else. Um, But that's where she's currently at. I've tried to have a look to find out how he's doing in prison. And again, I can't really find much else, to be honest with you. He seems to just be kind of surviving in prison. Um, he's probably a bit of a loser, doesn't have many friends to be fair, Um, but what I was going to say about the house, sorry, is once he was charged and tried and found guilty and everything, that house lay like a time stamp for like a couple of years, it lay untouched for two years because he's executed the will, no one else was allowed access to the house, so that's really horrible, so I can like show you the picture that I'm going to upload to the Instagram of the nursery that I was talking about that was just left there Basically, the house just was, like, left for two years because he is in prison. So, yeah, this is what I found really interesting about this case. And if anyone knows anything more about it, is the fact that he, to this day, is the beneficiary of his mum's will. And I don't know if he then does get out in prison. I don't know if he serves his minimum even 18 years and gets out. I don't know if he'll then have a... Like, that is technically his house. So would he be able to then go on and sell this house? And when I say sell the house. It is not just like a wee kind of flat. This is a beautiful, massive house. Um and I'm sure it's worth now I'm sure I looked, I'm sure it's worth about three hundred and fifty thousand. Um so that'll be going up every year. So by the time he's left, you're probably looking at about a half a million pound house. So yeah, that is the story of Carol Taggart. Um Samantha, anything you want to input about that?
1: No, that was awful. Um I know they're all awful, the ones we do anyway. But, um, yeah, it opened my eyes as well to, like, I didn't know how someone could still be a beneficiary. So that was crazy. And it also shows as well violence and not domestic violence because you can't, it, it wouldn't be classed as that because it was the son. But, like, if that was the husband, it would have could have been treated completely differently. Yeah. Or it could have that was her the husband, exact same. Yeah
0: which is mental yeah but I feel like it would have been more common if it was her husband which is awful but you kind of like that is that unfortunately happens a lot but the fact is like your son and I don't know what was going on there I don't understand why he was so controlling of his mum but again as I said he's never spoken so he's not actually said what it is he's not really said anything he's just a coward basically